You're listening to Grindhouse Courthouse. We put movies on trial to determine whether or not a film has committed too many movie misdemeanors to be considered viewable. Please rise for the Honorable Judge this episode. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever and whenever you are listening from. Welcome to another episode of Grindhouse Courthouse. My name is Scott, and I have the privilege of being your guest judge this week. On trial this week is the 1988 cult classic that many signal as the film that launched Jean-Claude Van Damme's action career, Bloodsport. Filmed on a budget of $2.3 million, Bloodsport scored a domestic box office just shy of $12 million while doing $50 million globally. The film was the Cannon Group's most profitable film of 1988. A note about the Cannon Group, they held the cinematic rights to Spider-Man for five years during the 1980s. However... <laughs> By failing to produce a film, they lost the rights, opening the door for the Sam Raimi trilogy. Bloodsport is the third and final film directed by Newt Arnold, 16 years after his last director credit, 1971's Bloodthirst, uh, seemingly signaling a title theme for Arnold. It is interesting to note, though, that Arnold has 60 assistant director credits to their name, including such films as The Godfather Part Two, The Jerk, Blade Runner, The Goonies, and 16 Candles clearly placing their mark in 1980s culture. Now, for the scholars who are here to determine whether Bloodsport's IMDb rating of 6.8 is too high or not high enough, arguing for the legitimacy of Kumatai competition and why this movie should be watched annually, we have Tom serving as the public defense for Bloodsport. On the other side of the courtroom, arguing that the film is as unbelievable as its true story origins is Dylan serving as the prosecutor. Please enjoy these two verbal combatants fight to the death to sway the jury's votes. In the jury this week, we have Dave and Adam. We begin with the opening statements of the defense. Tom, the floor is yours. My mind is ready. My heart's on fire. I'm gonna push it over the wire. Bloodsport is quite possibly (laughs) the greatest martial arts film ever made. It has... Literally everything. And I know I say that about a lot of movies. Oh, this movie this movie has it all. But this movie actually has it all. It's got respect of the old ways. It's got a guy punching people and kicking them. And it's got some tasers. Uh, it's got Forrest Whitaker. It's got, uh, it's got everything. There's, there's nothing that it's missing. And this is the most evenly paced, action-packed film you could ever hope to see. Does it have tolerant revenge? Uh, there, there is there is tolerant revenge in this film, which is why I would place it on the level of the fist of the legend, the Iron Fist, Legend of Chen Zen. Great film. Until you realize, until you realize like at the Bloodsport. end that there was no need for vengeance, weirdly. Uh, there was definitely a need for vengeance in this film. There is absolutely a need for our main character to punch the bad guy. It's it's very important. It, it's critical to the story, no less. And the characters. And the development of those characters. And for the prosecution, Dylan, your opening statements. So adding to the list of men named Newt, who you should not trust, this Newt Arnold-directed abomination tells a story of a definitely made-up illegal mar- martial arts contest called the Kumite, supposedly held in Hong Kong based on the autobiographical work of a guy whose name is Frank Dukes. And in classic 90s fashion, Bloodsport introduces the protagonist Frank Dukes, who is a nonsensical background to rival them all. This man with a notably thick European accent is somehow a U.S. Army captain, but he's also a Japanese ninja. Newt Arnold has slapped together a movie where half the dialogue is 80-yard, not because the actors don't speak English. In fact, the accents of many of the Asian actors and Jean-Claude are the only ones not 80-yard. No, he 80-yards the voices of all the American actors, um, like a complete psycho, and also introduces some extremely racist characters um, and has characters cast in racial roles that they just aren't. And we'll get into all this psychotic casting and editing work that Newt has done to make this movie what probably would have been passable into just garbage. 
And with the opening statements concluded, I will now open the floor for the presentation of evidence. Both the defense and prosecution are allowed to cross-examine at will, but be warned that unruly behavior will result in being held in contempt of the court. Defense, Tom, you may present your first scene. I demand to address the goddamn 80-yard voice that they force on this young, aspiring American child actor. Your Honor, this is unprecedented. I was told that I would have the chance to speak. This is ridiculous. We need a ruling. Well, according to the the rules of the law, from the law degree I earned 10 minutes ago online, I'm good going either way. The prosecution seems very, very hostile, so we'll give it to the defense. We're going with the sacred kumite rules here, where the angriest and loudest wins. (laughs) Oh, is that part of the movie? (laughs) We'll get there. (laughs) All right, then edit it all out, we'll give it to Dylan. Okay. Right. We have to address this entire background scene, which is the one I paid the most attention to. And it sets up Jean-Claude Van Damme's character, who I already introduced as this U.S. Army captain named Frank Dukes. So the whole scene begins with Dukes, who's kind of at this army base, just punching and kicking his leotard like you normally do. And this other dude coming up and saying, Dukes, the captain wants to see you. And so he runs away immediately from, goes AWOL from the base and walks into this home with this old Japanese lady. And they have this incredibly awkward exchange where he kind of doesn't say anything and just hugs this old Japanese woman who you're trying to figure out, like, is this his mom or something? No, you realize the relationship's even weirder. So it begins with a young Frank Dukes, played by this young American actor, he seems American, and his pals, who have broken into this Japanese man's house to steal a samurai sword or to play with a samurai sword, which is actually the trophy awarded at the Kumite, so it's very important. Anyway, as will be the critical component of this entire film, all the voices are ADR. So none of the actors' voices are actually used. So they're all dubbed in afterwards. And it's very obvious that they're dubbed in because young Jean-Claude Van Damme, they have dubbed in with the fakest French-American accent that you've ever heard. When the Japanese guy confronts him, he's like, you're not going to call the cops on us? He's like, no. I'm going to train you in the ways of the samurai. So that's kind of our our lead into how this French-American becomes a Japanese ninja. Objection. (laughs) You are underselling the character of Frank Dukes right out of the gate. What? How? (laughs) Because it is not that he said, oh, I will teach you the ways of the samurai immediately. No, Frank Dukes had to suffer for that. The agreement was that you would come over to my house and let my son beat the ever-loving piss out of you indefinitely, and I won't call the cops. And I think that's an important distinction, because it's not like people are just tripping over themselves to give Frank Dukes everything in the world. He fights for it. (laughs) Kumite. Yeah, so then then if if we're going to go there, then we should also talk about how they arrange this between the parents of Frank Dukes and the Japanese guys. So there's these two immigrant families, and they're sitting there, and like the Japanese guy is saying the most psychotic you know, philosophy to these two French parents about how they should just let their son come over and get beat up by his Japanese son. And then they have this like weird, he's like weird explanation of how they both grow things. And the Japanese guy's like, and we also grow children. And then the French dad is like, that's totally normal American thing to say. Yes, we grow children. (laughs) And so the Japanese guy decides to train Frank in martial science after he earns the right but really, he's just the punching bag for the Japanese kid Shidoshi, who hilariously calls Frank Round Eye while he's training, <laughs> which would make a lot more sense if they were like in Japan and Frank was like kind of an outcast. They're in America. <laughs> like, Shidoshi, this movie Shidoshi is not is... afraid to tackle those racist issues. Oh, we're going to get into the it, racist it just, issues it, it a little just bit goes, later. It goes right at it. This movie doesn't flinch. Yeah. It knows what it's trying to say, and it goes there. So the other thing this movie does is it establishes relationships, but only kind of half-assedly relationships between Dukes and other male characters to make you think they're meaningful, but they're not. So Dukes kind of helps Shidoshi out, like he was getting bullied in school. And the next thing we fucking see is that Shidoshi is dead. Never explained how he dies. He's just dead, and the family's like mourning him. 
And then the Japanese guy's like, I will channel my training through you now. So, Your Honor, I'd like to pose this question to the defense. How did Shidoshi die? It doesn't matter. Also, Shidoshi <laughs> is the name of the teacher well, of the Tanaka clan. Are you sure? The kid's name is something else entirely. I am very sure. It's not Shidoshi There's nothing Jr.? I have been more sure of in my entire life. No, Shidoshi is a title like Sensei, except they call it Shidoshi because... I don't know. You'd think you'd use Sensei. Okay. Uh, this, this movie is a product of its time and the person who wrote it, as I'm sure we will get into at some point. But it doesn't matter how he died. I don't need to see a window into that family's grief to understand that Jean-Claude Van Damme is going to take up the mantle of Tanaka clan ninja. Right. Because they only pass that down from father to son over thousands of years. It's a very time-honored tradition. And the fact that you would just whitewash all of that is very... <laughs> very telling as to your particular slant on this movie. But my problem was more that they overcomplicated a story that would have worked fine if they just embraced who Jean-Claude Van Damme was, because it's all going to be set in Hong Kong anyway. That's where the Kumite happens. But they had to make this weird French actor American in order to be an American army captain trained by a Japanese ninja master who's also in America... So to me, I'm just like, why don't they just fucking set it originally in Japan or in France in one of the other two countries? Then you don't have to have this because American truth component is stranger than truth is stranger than fiction. All of this is based on real life events of Frank Dukes. <laughs> Frank Dukes wasn't in Japan or Hong Kong. Was Frank was Dukes French? Did, did Frank Dukes grow up with like French vineyard owning parents? <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Let's uh, let's cool it on the French hatred, for starters. I mean, I understand that you live in a specific area where maybe that's a cool thing to do, but that's not something we do here in North America. Don't disclose my location. Unless they're, <laughs> unless they're from Quebec. But the important thing here is to note that their ways are different than ours. And it's it's about the melting pot that is America, because you have these two immigrant families that come together, and they, they create something new in yeah, they, America. They, they, they quote, create... They quote, grow children. Yeah, they, they found the common ground between, like, there's the science, which is Frank Dukes, and then there's the, uh, let another kid get beat up so that your kid feels better about their martial arts ability, and you took those two things together, and it's great. And that's the crucible that forged the great man that is Frank Dukes, and to gloss over details or pretend that it didn't happen is just dishonest. Judge, can I ask a question about Frank Duke? I'll allow it. Thank you. What makes Frank Duke so special? Um, like, why would this sensei or master come to him to train him? Now, when Frank Dukes stole the sword and got punched by the kid and was standing in the room going, yeah, not going to call the cops on me. <laughs> Prior to that, the, the Mr. Tanaka, the Tanaka sensei, unsheathes the samurai sword and cuts his hat off, but he doesn't flinch. Because he has the soul of a warrior. And that's how you know that he's special. Because he's got that warrior's heart. He doesn't flinch when someone threatens to kill him. And, or he's got bad reaction speeds, I and guess. And as I don't every know. martial arts teacher hopes his students will, he uses those martial arts skills to beat up other children at school. <laughs> hey, you know, Frank Dukes didn't go looking for the fight. They were picking on his friend. So he had to intervene. He, he does the right thing. That does appear to be a theme from other amazing martial arts movies from the 80s. Thank you, Your Honor. Mostly the Karate Kid. I got so much Karate Kid from this movie, I was just getting Karate Kid vibes all over the place. But with grown adults, which made it way worse. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys talked about how at the very start of this scene he gets called in to see his captain yeah and he just like runs away like, what happened there like why did he just bolt somehow the captain he has to go to the kumite yeah, somehow the captain knows he's about to go to the kumite and go awol there's a lot of things they don't explain in this movie and that's one of them so the captain knows... The things that don't matter. It doesn't matter how the captain knew about it. It just matters that Frank Dukes is going to the Kumite. I mean, wait, his... Quick question his, about, like, Kumite. Is this almost like Mortal Kombat, where it's it, this Oh, my God. Fighting? It's so much like Mortal Kombat. <laughs> okay, because, like, It is so knows? much like Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat is specifically based on this film. <laughs> Tobias and Boone have gone on record as saying, we wanted to make a video game version of Bloodsport. And you know what? They fucking succeeded. 
Okay, I just and, wanted to know if it was like public knowledge, but this seems like it's very like elite group. And... Johnny Cage is Jean Claude Van Damme. Yeah. They just he didn't want to do the video game. Yeah, well, beat for okay. beat, just straight up. Beat for beat, there's like every character with the addition of like they actually had Sonya Blade fight in this one. She's just like your typical '80s chick who's just there to get banged, and that's about it. Um, <laughs> that is offensive, Your Honor. I request that those remarks be stricken from the record or bolded because I'm not the one who said them. They will be bolded. <laughs> Let others learn from Dylan's mistakes. Hey, I'm not defending it. I'm saying that's that's what kind of movie we're dealing with here. Sexist. And wait till I get wait till I get to the black guy in the black and gold trunks, because that is the worst thing I have ever seen. Um taking control of this court, Tom, did you have a scene that sets up how this movie should be watched annually? Your Honor, I'm not going to lie to you. What you need to know is that large parts of this movie don't necessarily capture the same excitement as other parts of this movie. On subsequent viewings, you are going to be dialed in to the excellent fight choreography. People yelling, punching, kicking, screaming, getting thrown. There are like multiple montages where uh, people just get the absolute piss beat out of them. And it's great because the movie is called Bloodsport. Tom, didn't you mention that this has excellent pacing and it's like nonstop action all the way through? It does. After you've seen a movie 10 times, you start to know all the beats. Maybe you just want to skip ahead and get to where you're going. Maybe you just want to cut out some of the extra bits. That doesn't mean that the movie is bad the first time you see it or the fifth time or the tenth time. But maybe you don't need to experience all of it each time. You mentioned the fight choreography. Do you know who choreographed the fight scenes in this film? I don't know, some guy. I'm guessing Jean-Claude. It was the real-life Frank Dukes. Oh my god, that makes so much sense. <laughs> hey, let me let me describe the fight scenes. Let me describe them. All right. One minute of muscle flexing, pec flexing, oiling up muscles. One minute of slow-mo grunting. Jean-Claude Van Damme fly kicking. Cut. More muscle flexing. Jean-Claude fly kicking. Cut. Flexing, grunting, cut, fly kick, cut, flex, cut, flex, fly kick, cut. I don't even <laughs> think I saw like two, two, like two combatants, one punch, and then the other one punch right after. It was the, it's for such a famous martial arts movie. It's actually pretty shitty martial arts that you actually get to see because all you ever see is Jean Claude Van Damme with these really staged fight scenes where he has to like. Be like five feet back and very carefully kick this guy. And yet throughout all of this, you are <laughs> never confused as to who is punching who, what's happening, where they're physically located. <laughs> all of the action is very clearly laid out. Your Honor, objection. My my opponent is pandering to our blind ass juror named Adam. This is bullshit. <laughs> why, why am I getting pulled into this? I'll allow it. People don't forget. <laughs> Your Honor, every scene is very brightly lit. There is only one action segment that takes place in a dark alley. And even then, the, the blocking, the cuts are set up in such a way that you're never confused as to what's happening. Every punch, every kick is delivered purposely. And in some cases, too purposely. One of my favorite bits in the movie is uh, the bad guy, Hossein who exists to hit on the female lead so that Frank Dukes can talk her and then bang her later, and then uh, get knocked out uh, very, very quickly. Your Honor, I, I would ask the defense to describe the actor who plays this character named Sadiq Hossein. What, what race would you assume that individual to be? Uh, I, I will answer this as though I am one of the movie's producers or possibly uh, Frank Dukes himself. Persian, I don't know. <laughs> Just get a guy, throw him in Kinda there, brown? and that's, that's as far as it went. They got like a Malaysian guy. He's wearing like a kafia, and his name's Sadiq Hossein, and he's like clearly Southeast Asian. And the and his and his his buddy, who's also like this other sheikh, also Southeast Asian. He's clearly Saudi Arabian. Uh, he's got a lot of money. He has a very cavalier attitude towards women. Likes to gamble. His reflexes aren't great, and he's an abject coward who can't take an actual elbow to the face. See, see, there's so much about these characters that you learn in such a short span of time that my opponent is just glossing over like they don't matter, and they do matter. Would you say it doesn't matter 
who they cast in the role. What matters is the excellent performance that they bring. And at no point was I ever convinced that the actor in front of me was anything other than weird, nondescript person guy. I don't know. Just get him in there. <laughs> Nailed it. At this time, uh, I would like to open the floor up to questions and comments from the jury. Adam or Dave, if you could please levy these towards the two. Dave, you can start. <laughs> so, so far, all I've got is a little background of why he was trained for this blood sport, this tournament, Mortal Kombat. What else? So It's just like him training as a kid? Is that like a big chunk of the movie? It feels it's like just like it. there. <laughs> it does hold the record for longest flashback sequence in any film. Yes. Okay, yeah. And then what? He just goes and fights these very yes. specific Persians? Kumite. There's more than just Persians. They've got people from all over the world. And there's a fantastic opening sequence where they show each individual fighter fighting in their natural environments. It just so happens that all the black guys are like breaking coconuts for some reason. But don't worry about it because, you got, you know, you're not supposed to think about we it. you got to address that guy. What? How would you describe the small black man? Now, there's more than one black man, so that's good. But what, how would you describe the small black man's fighting style? It was very Blanca-esque. Uh, there's a lot of <laughs> hopping around. There's a lot of rolling. You know, there's a lot of slap in the ground. He's a very agile fighter. It's a very unorthodox fighting style. It's not capoeira. It's his own unique jungle brand fighting style. Because I'm assuming that uh, he was the guy that we saw in the jungle, right? Actually breaking the coconuts. That was him? Yeah. Like, you know, that's, they were one banana shy of the fucking King Louis scene in the Jungle Book with this guy. Like, he was Full on supposed to be portrayed as a monkey. And he's like one of the few black fighters. I can't believe this fucking actor agreed to that. But it set a trend. It set a trend for the movie. And then I started watching. And then there was Sadiq Hossein. And I'm like, oh shit. Oh shit. Frank Dukes is a full-blown racist. (laughs) (laughs) We are not here to judge the man. Or the shitty beliefs and things that he did. We are only here to judge... The movie. But this movie is based and, on Frank Duke. Uh, sure, but like, you know, it's 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 okay, you know. Just because Frank okay. Duke is uh, <laughs> arguably one of the weirdest, most racist, blatant, charlatan, full of shit, con artist, hoaxman of all time, <laughs> maybe that's true about him. Allegedly all of these things are true. Question but for the defense. The movie is good. Is this film a representation of Frank Dukes' life in a similar manner that Beetlejuice would be Tim Burton's. <laughs> your, your Honor, if I may jump in, um, I think I figured out why they had to ADR so much, probably because Frank Dukes wrote the script and there were so many racial epithets and slurs that they just had to whitewash the whole damn thing. A possibility, unfortunately, he did not write this movie. Oh. Do we have any other questions from the jury at this time? No, I'm actually, I'm going to hold off. I'm going to, I'm going to save my questions for the end. You guys are doing great. (laughs) Rolling back into court this time, the defense, you have the floor. I would like to talk about how lighthearted and fun this movie can be because it's not all serious kumite. I mean, there's some romance Uh, There's also some comedy. I mean, there's a scene at the beginning of the movie where Frank Dukes meets his good buddy, big strong man from the United States, and they play a video game, Ray Jackson, and they they play a video game together, and it's really uh, really touching. But there's also uh, another thing that happens later in the movie. So the military wants to protect his investment, uh, which is Frank Dukes. They even go out of their way to say, we spent so much money on you, Frank. Your training is legendary. You're the coolest guy. We love you. We love you, Frank. Come back to the States with us. But Kumite. Kumite is very important. He he wants to... And I should also say, Frank Duke's whole reason for winning the Kumite is to honor his teacher, who, by all rights, Frank should hate because he spent all of his time just having his son beat the shit out of him. And then later when he said, okay, train me now, then he beats the shit out of him, and then eventually he becomes a good martial artist. But that's beside the point. What I would like to talk about is a scene where uh, Forrest Whitaker and uh, unnamed old actor whose whose name I don't remember because I think this was the last movie he was in. Forrest Whitaker went on to have a career, but uh, this guy didn't. And uh, they're chasing him through Hong Kong. And uh, it really showcases uh, how much fun you can have with a chase sequence where Frank Dukes is constantly like 
posing his ass off while he's running away or hiding behind like a sign and like looking at him and then yelling at him, getting him to, to go around. And then it ends with them falling in the river and you slap your knee and you laugh and it's good family entertainment. <laughs> just because people are getting their teeth knocked out doesn't mean you can't also have a great, just overall really fun chase sequence in there. And anyone who says otherwise is a fucking asshole. Oh my god, what a gross, gross mischaracterization of the two worst characters in this movie, and that is saying a lot, because there was a full-blown blackface racial caricature in this movie. But these two are by far the worst, they're obviously meant as comedic relief, and their plot is pointless ah, and makes- so you admit it! I said they're meant as pointless. They're meant as comic relief. I didn't say they executed it. <laughs> the plot makes no sense. They're like, the U.S. government has invested so much in your training. Uh, no, it didn't. A fucking old Japanese man who is his neighbor invested in his training. All of his training is from the Tanaka clan. The U.S. government didn't do shit. We didn't see his military training. And that's something over Frank Dukes. It's not only that he was a Japanese ninja, but he was a part of the CIA. Did a bunch of just crazy illegal shit from 75 to 85 or whatever the period was. Fascinating guy. Great background. Yeah. Just because we didn't see it doesn't mean that it didn't happen. Well, checkmate. Well, so these two cops come and they're they're chasing him around and he's kind of like beating up like local Hong Kong police and things. Ah, that's later. That's a different scene. <laughs> that's when he's walking down the uh, the hallway and they're like, Frank, you got to stop. And he's like, nothing can stop me. I'm Frank Dukes. And uh, they run out of one by one and he like keeps kicking them in the throat and pushing them into the uh, the walled city there deeper and further in. That's that scene. This is the lighthearted one where he's just, you know, like running around, posing his ass off. Your Honor, that's what that you scene can is. see my, my, my problem when all of the scenes with these two seem exactly the same to me and I can't keep them separate. <laughs> the point of this is... Your Honor, it's not my fault that my opponent didn't watch the film. It's not. That's fine. That's okay. This it it is appears the, that you're defining cinematic consistency, Dylan. No, this is just a dead-end plot that just gets... Recycled, recycled, recycled until finally they need to resolve it. They've they've confronted Frank Dukes and they just go, okay, you can fight in the Kumite. That's it. That's the result. They're this build up this plot like they're chasing him. He's going to get arrested. And then eventually they're just like, yeah, you can just they do don't it. Just, just do it. They don't they don't just give up. They give up after Frank Dukes beats the piss out of every single Hong Kong inspector that he can get his hands on. They try to shoot him with the taser, and he defeats it like a hero. And then they say, well, I guess we can't stop you because you're Frank Dukes and you're the toughest guy who's ever lived. Not only did he beat all of his opponents in the Kumite, but he defeated the police and the U.S. government. And it was nothing to him because he's the best. But that's not what this is about. This is about how this movie can be fun and lighthearted because it was a thrilling chase scene that ended with a bunch of fishermen pointing and laughing. <laughs> and that's great. That's all I want in a kung fu movie. This, this movie sounds very similar to previous movies that we've watched, and it kind of follows the 80s and 90s sins for action movie where you have the hero conquering all with like little to no effort or the hero's ego where he's the best around and everybody talks about him nonstop and sex all the time. Just any woman, he can just grab them and go at it. What separates Bloodsport from this? Like, is there any more depth or is it following the same format that we've seen with every Steven Seagal movie? For the most part, yes. You're saying that like it's a bad thing. <laughs> There's a formula and it works. There is one thing and uh, the juror Dave would appeal appreciate this. They stop short of actually establishing tolerant revenge um, because... <laughs> And I think we can now introduce the main antagonist in this movie, who goes by oh, Chong Lee. Bolo. Bolo Young. Chong Lee in this film. Yeah, so this this guy is like, he is Hong Kong Kung Fu royalty. I looked at his IMDb list, and he's like from Bruce Lee on in like everything. He's actually, he's so into the role that his name Bolo, like that was his actual acting stage name. That's one of his characters in a Bruce Lee movie. His name isn't even Bolo, but he just he loved nah. the character so much he just went by that name. So basically what we do to actors I in this show, love Bolo. what we do to actors in this court, he just did to himself. <laughs> he just goes by <laughs> a character's name. Anyway, this guy, That's the level of dedication in this movie. This is, People <laughs> loved it. He is such a great looking vi villain. He's like the most ripped, psychotic, 
when his eyes are wide, he is the craziest looking villain. Anyway, so to make a long story much shorter, um, we think he straight up kills Ray Jackson, Dukes' like best bud who he met like three days ago, but they have to develop a story because they killed off the Japanese son, which would have made way more sense to have him there. Um, but no, they, 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 he basically crowns him, smacks him on the head, and then like stomps him. So you're like, holy shit, he murdered this guy and he's holding his bandana. And everything in this plot is telling us that the rest of this story is about revenge, about Dukes coming, overcoming Bolo and beating him and avenging his friend. Tom, what actually is revealed by the end of this movie? <laughs> That they're the best friends ever? Ray didn't even die. He beats the... He was not dead. He beats the shit out of Bolo. No, no, he was in bed. Like, he's he's got a bandage. He's got a, like, massive head trauma. But uh, people don't have to die for it to be serious. You know, if ninjas burst into my house and then on camera you watch me just get the shit kicked out of you, I would expect that all four of you would immediately do the same thing and enter a kumite to get revenge, right? I don't have to die for it to be important. <laughs> no, but it would, it would help. Counts. It would really it help would, with the motivation. It would definitely though. help if we're going to go into a martial arts tournament, Tom. <laughs> yeah. Are you saying that if someone jumped in here, broke both my kneecaps, twisted my arms around, fucked up my elbows, you know, never walk, never never touch anything ever again, you guys wouldn't enter a kumite to defend my honor? We would need to know if you deserved it. Like, were you... <laughs> you wouldn't? No, I'm just sitting here. I'm just sitting here talking about how much I love Bloodsport. That's all I'm doing. That's that's the worst thing that I'm doing. Well, that might be your crime. You know, my it sounds like you've already made up your mind about this movie. <laughs> no, I'm still neutral. Tom, Tom, I would I would enter the Kumite, but I would fight twice as hard if he full on caved in your skull. I would definitely <laughs> fight much harder if you were dead. How much oil would you put on and flexing would you do, Dylan? <laughs> it would be eighty percent flexing, ten percent oil, and then ten percent face flying face kicks to win the the competition well that seems like a healthy ratio is there an actual like battle at all like do you see like a, a fight from the start to finish that isn't just him flying kicks <laughs> no well you do see the the end fight I, I i won't deny that there are some interesting editing choices made in the end but you do see the fight start to finish it's not like a, a montage type fight because there are plenty of those in this movie and they're great you just cut out all the things you don't need to see in a fight and just skip to that guy's punching that guy and then this guy punches that guy. But we don't care about those characters. If you had to guess Dukes. how many slow-mo cuts were in that final fight scene where one, either Bolo or Dukes were just standing there flexing, grunting, either about to hit the other one or after hitting another one. If you had to guess how many of those there were. 90% of the last fight is slow motion cuts, yes. And each kick is just delivered so perfectly. You see the technique, you see the, the muscles, you see the Brussels. It's great. It's really good. Members of the jury, <laughs> if you have any further questions. Yeah, that last scene just reminds me of Mortal Kombat, where Goro uh, attacks Johnny Cage's friend. Like, he actually lifts him up with the two hands and then crowns him and, like, chops his neck. But I felt there was a lot more weight with that than what you're describing right now for why Jean-Claude Van Damme or Frank Duke's character would care to battle Bolo. Is it Bolo? That's the actor's name. His character's name is Chong Lee. Chong Lee. Chong Lee. <laughs> I'm going nowhere with that, but I'm just saying I'm actually now just comparing this movie no, to Mortal Kombat now. You're absolutely right. Do you know why it was more effective in Mortal Kombat? Because they actually killed the guy. He was dead. That was the motivating factor, not, oh man, he got hurt kind of bad, but he'll be all right. Like, if we knew that, then that... You don't know that he's going to be all right, though. <laughs> the other thing... <laughs> you just you just hope that he's going to be okay. There was no... When he's going into the final, when he's beating up those police officers, telling those guys he's not going to go back with them and defeating the taser, all of that is just weighing very heavily on his mind. Because, uh, you know, there's, there's plenty of scenes in this movie where Jean-Claude Van Damme is doing the splits and meditating. That happens a lot. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's all showing just the internal strife of the character. His friend didn't have to die for it to be important. He just had to be hurt. That's enough because he cares about him so well, much. We can't... And they say as much at the end of the film. You also cannot downplay how revolutionary medical treatment in the late 80s was in America. What about Hong Kong? Yeah, especially at that, <laughs> especially at that fucking hospital. It's like the shittiest set I've ever seen, and that's not going in the final cut. <laughs> but I, I'm more Dave, right. so, was there any consequences for uh, John Claude Van Damme like beating up all the cops, like and like the military officers, like 
No, he's he, American, they, dash French, dash maybe Japanese kind of. So there's no consequences in crazy old Hong Kong. It's Wild West out there. Also, the Kumite is run by the triads. So they're like, they can't really touch the fighters because the gangs will kill everybody. So that's the implication. By the way, we also learned, we also learned Kumite. how um, Jean-Claude Van Damme learned to do the splits. It's at the hands of torture by this Japanese man who just racked him up and like stretched him out with ropes. It's this great scene where he's just like screaming in pain as this Japanese man like stretches his body parts. That was to teach him the discipline that he needed to win the Kumite. You do think that I could just roll into the Kumite without having all my limbs stretched, like fucking drawn and quartered? Eh, no, no. I, like I have to go through some medieval level torture in order to have the discipline the mental fortitude to compete at that level and frank dukes is just telling us like look these are things that really happened to me that are really real and that's why you should give a shit i have a question about the kumite is it all about respect like battling the last baddie and if you win it's like yeah you respect your your name goes on a plaque or you get a ribbon like why battle in the kumite? <laughs> a little hard decision ribbon yeah <laughs> you know that sword you know that sword that they tried to steal at the beginning of the movie from the Japanese yeah. guy. That's what you get. That's it. And the respect and honor and knowing that you are the most lethal human being on the face of the planet. You also get a sword. Yeah. yeah. The stakes are high, you guys. They're up there. It's $700. <laughs> Cash. <laughs> Hong Kong dollars. With inflation. Yeah. That could be some money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Taking control of this courtroom. Do either the defense or prosecution have any other scenes they would like to present to solidify their points of view? I would like to talk about the final fight scene when everything comes together. So he's lost his friends. He's beat up the police. He's really pissed off Uncle Sam. He's got nothing but himself. And he's just, he's like, I want to win that sword. I want to honor my teacher. That's what it's all about. Bolo has had his own arc because Bolo was the previous champion and he's seeing Frank Dukes roll in there, break his records. Everybody's cheering for him. They love him. Bolo doesn't like that. That's, that's just a blow to his ego. He's a very complex, nuanced villain. There's, there's a lot going on there. <laughs> Thankfully for us, you know, we don't have time for me to get into it, but just trust that, yeah, there's really a lot happening there. And he rolls into the fight and it initially starts going his way. You know, he's doing his, his kicks. He's got his slow motion jumps. There's a lot of like, yeah. And then he punches him in slow motion. It's great. You see, you see everything. Everything is seen. It's, it, I can't state enough how much of it you can see. It's really nice. <laughs> But the, uh, the the thing about Bolo is that like he wants to win too. So he he reaches into his uh, his trunks there and he pulls out this uh, chalk tablet. They don't really say what it is, but it's enough that uh, you know he throws it in his eyes. The referee doesn't see it. Your Honor, Your and Honor. Now I, I believe it's called pocket sand. <laughs> if you could, Sha-sha. defense, please Sha-sha. refer to it as pocket sand. So he takes his compressed uh, pocket sand pill, crushes it up in his hand, throws it into Jean-Claude Van Damme's eyes, and now he can't see. And, oh my god, how could anyone win a fight if they can't see? (laughs) But in that intro montage, something that my opponent neglected to mention, part of his training was to fight blind. And not only fight blind, but win fights when blind. To the point where the only time that you're ever seeing Frank Dukes overcome his instructor is when he's blindfolded. That's how good he is at fighting blind. Bolo's big mistake was assuming that he could beat him when he couldn't see. So he yells and screams for a bit, and then he uh, punches and kicks the ever-living shit out of Bolo, and then makes him say, I surrender. And that's the climax of the film. And his girlfriend is there, and she's happy. And the two U.S. military guys are there, and they're happy for him. And then he goes back to the, uh, the, the hospital, and he talks to Ray Jackson, and he's happy for him. And they swear their undying love for each other. Then he gets on the plane and goes back to have more CIA adventures. And that is a fucking thrilling movie. Your Honor. I don't know how else you end a movie. Your Honor, not one not word like of that, that is how that scene happened. None of that is true. <laughs> okay, let's start from the beginning. First off, he said, like, he, they, all his friends are gone. None of his friends are gone. The guy is just in a hospital relaxing. He's fine. Totally recovered. 
Second, the, the U.S. government is not after him anymore. They're literally sitting in the stands watching him fight right now. So they're not even after him anymore. Bolo did get some Peptid AC shoved down his pants. By the way, he didn't put it down his own pants. He had this weird little manservant shove it down his trunks for him. It was highly sexual, I, I felt. Wait, you don't have a pocket sand apprentice? Are you putting your own sand in your own pockets like some sort of plebeian? Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to save up for one, but they're not cheap over here in this undisclosed Fucking location. Disgusting. <laughs> oh, how the mighty have fallen. Okay, and then, yes, he does get blinded with the pocket sand, and his reaction to becoming blinded by the pocket sand is to just stand in the middle of the ring and just start screaming. Not just once, but probably for a solid like, 10 seconds which is probably not the best time to be screaming when you can no longer see and you probably need your sense of hearing to detect where Bolo is. Nope, he just stands there screaming. Objection, Your Honor. My opponent has never been blinded in the final round of the Kumite before. <laughs> we can't know that that isn't exactly how he would react as well. Point of conjecture. Wait, have you? You both articulate No, but that I'm not the one who's saying that that's unnatural. That's completely normal. I'm not going to shame somebody for responding to a stressful situation. And that's my point. You both say that these fight scenes are slow motion cuts. Could it be that he was not screaming for 10 seconds, but rather the cinematic art made it seem like that for dramatic effect? Thank you, Your Honor. Thank you. Your Honor, you know that scene in Interstellar when they land on the gravity, the planet really close to the black hole and like one hour is like years and years and years? That's what this whole movie felt like every second and every minute. That, so that as you watch this movie, your life slips away. The people you love become older and, and pass on. And you're really just losing everything the longer you invest in this movie. And that's what it felt like as this man stands screaming in the middle of the stadium because he got sand thrown in his eyes. Objection, Your Honor. Time is relative. It was totally fine. He screamed for the appropriate length of time. Adam, Adam, you had a question? Well, I'm just thinking, like, Frank Duke is top-notch, right? Like, he should be able to handle these situations. But it sounds like this man just screaming in the middle of the ring for, like, ten minutes while his opponent... What is his opponent doing right now? Wouldn't this be the prime opportunity for Bolo to, like, kick him in the back of the head and win, win the tournament? The fighting he was gloating. The fighting is comically stupid. Um, there are two separate scenes where gloating, literally just walking around the crowd and cheering, um, gets people causes people to lose matches. There's also a lot of just moments where people inexplicably are just kind of standing, like you know when WWF was still watched by people when someone would get stunned and they just kind of stand in the <laughs> ring wobbling. There's a lot of that in this movie. And also I remembered what point I was trying to make earlier, and that was about the blind training. His blind training was basically how to serve tea to an old Japanese man and woman. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they, they not only... That happened, yes. They not only... I will concede that it happened, but there was more than just that. He was on the mat. He was throwing punches. He was throwing kicks. Let me describe this training. They trick this poor immigrant family into signing over their child to get beaten by this wealthy Japanese man's kid. Then they force him into servitude by blindfolding him and making him serve tea. And then they beat him up to the point where his only hope is to fight back blindfolded. So that's the training, Your Honor. So this is movie is about child abuse, really. I think that's the takeaway. And I think that's my closing statement. <laughs> that's an epiphany well, i don't know that's if what I they can, call an epiphany i don't know if i can ever i don't know if i can come back from that one are we on closing statements now as the prosecution has levied their closing statement defense the floor is yours i've been holding on to this fact but it's time to reveal it now that my opponent has made a massive error in not letting me state it first this is a presidential movie. Now, what does that yeah. mean? It means simply that this is one of Donald Trump's favorite films. <laughs> and if it's good enough for the president, it should be good enough for each and every one of us. Where the hell did you hear that? There's my closing statement. There was a 1999 interview. I, I can't remember where it was. Trump was quoted as saying, he's like, yeah, 
You know, he, I, I love this movie. What I do is I get my son to fast forward through all the boring bits, you know, take this movie and move it down to like 40 minutes or something. And that's how he watches it. And that guy's pretty successful. He's president of the United States. Now, I'm not saying there's a correlation there, but there's definitely a correlation there. <laughs> the more you watch Bloodsport, the more successful you are as a human being. You need to watch this film. You have to. You have to see it. And your honor, much, much, much like my opponent, Donald Trump also loves Forrest Whitaker and that other cop. Those are the, those are the only scenes he watches. There's nothing wrong with Forrest Whitaker. Before I turn the floor to the jury to pass their verdict, I'd like to share an anecdote about this film. While the story was originally an adaptation of true events inspired by the film's fight coordinator, Frank Dukes, the inspiration for JCVD's character, the stories Dukes shared with co-writer Sheldon Lettick turned out to be complete fiction. It later came to light that Dukes had never been in the military or competed in any martial arts competitions. Rather, he lied his way into Hollywood, and his personal brand of martial arts, Dukes Ruijutsu, was a complete fabrication. But it made an exciting, entertaining, watchable film. Well, thanks for coming. <laughs> I think they're probably just going to rule in my favor. We can stop it here. All right. Dave and Adam, please pass your judgment as the judge. I will only vote in the case of a tie. This movie is like it, everything's stacked against Tom right now, and I kind of feel bad. <laughs> but based on that closing statement, <laughs> that did not help you at all. Okay, so I'm going to go off this one question, and this is open for both of you. Why would I watch this movie over watching Mortal Kombat? Tom, you can start. Dylan, you can follow. Isn't this your decision? Haven't I made all my arguments? I, need, I, I just... This is like I need one more. What do you point. what do you need from me to know that this is a good film? Because I have told you everything there is to know about this movie. It's got punches, it's got splits, it's got <laughs> kids being abused, it's got the old ways, it's got honor, it's got tolerant revenge, which is a criteria for all good kung fu movies. This is an entertaining action film, especially for the time. They went in with $2 million. They came out with 50 The fact that we are still talking about it X number of years later, and it's still known, people still reference it. It gave us Mortal Kombat. It gave us Street Fighter 2. It gave us so many wonderful things. It gave us, uh, what was the one he made in 95? The Quest, which is exactly Bloodsport. Just, he was the producer on it this time. Great film as well. What else do you need? Thanks, Tom. So I'm going to say no, I'm not going to watch this movie. <laughs> that is one vote against the film in favor of the prosecution. Dave, your verdict. Like, I love almost all kung fu movies. It's so hard to say no to a kung fu movie. This is not a kung fu movie. This is a kicking movie. <laughs> uh, so that's the thing. Like, when you guys are describing the fight scenes for me, it all was flexing and a flying kick it's the dragon think. it's the dragon ball z of kung fu movies i love dragon ball z but in this time in this age the amount of racism that you guys have said in this movie really puts it off for me and i probably will not watch it again and as one producer has put it van damme truly is in this film an american hero who fights for justice the american way and kicks the stuffing out of the bad guys and for the muscles from Brussels, a Belgian immigrant, this could not be truer, I suppose. That settles the case for 1988's Bloodsport. This is Grindhouse Courthouse, After Hours. But before we adjourn the court, I hope you will humor me in playing one game. The film has three official taglines, and by majority vote, I was hoping we could determine which is the most accurate tagline for Bloodsport. 1. The secret contest where the world's greatest warriors fight in a battle to the death. 2. The true story of an American ninja. Or 3. Based on the real story of the Great White Dragon. <laughs> Your votes, please. I vote for White Dragon because they never once called him that. <laughs> Knowing what I know about this movie and now that I don't have to pretend like it's not a real fucking problem, probably the White Dragon one. <laughs> Frank Duke seems like the kind of guy who'd be like, yeah, we got to play up that angle. With all the, like, 
absurdly blatant racism that's in this film it has to be that yeah tom nailed it i'm going with white dragon as well <laughs> yeah number three wins i will only vote for number one because that's way too many words and syllables to be a tagline to ever be repeated or put on a film poster anywhere <laughs> all right and since nobody has said they will watch this movie that means we do not need to check back in next week to see if anyone has watched it and changed their opinions but this is a good time to follow up with both Tom and Adam, who said that they would watch last week's film. Chud, have you watched it? Yes. I said that I wouldn't watch I it. I said I wouldn't watch it, and I did watch it. <laughs> Off mic, I said I would watch it, and? but then I didn't. Oh. oh, God. Let's see what I can remember from Chud. So both of your guys' arguments were correct. It's not a good movie, and then it is a good movie at points. But the length of the movie was the issue, and the pacing of the movie was also an issue. Scenes were just kind of like, it felt like strung together. And Dave was correct with the monsters don't actually do anything. They're just kind of there and they maybe grab someone off camera and that's it. It's not, it's not thrilling enough to call it like a monster or a horror movie based on that. But I think the the overarching message for the movie is a lot deeper. It's about like terrible corporations uh, throwing toxic waste behind or like underneath the city. Like that should have been the message they focused on, but they did it in such a poor job that you're following Marv down in the sewers and nothing's really happening. Like when they get stuck down there, it's, it felt like it was like 40 minutes of them just like wandering around and coughing because they're getting gassed out. How did you like the ritual? <sighs> yeah, it's, it's not good, but then it's also good at points because this actually might be a prequel to Home Alone. Like it, <laughs> it lines up perfectly. When you, when you watch it, you go... This is how Marv turned to crime. He was trying to be a good and decent human being. And due to corruption of these large companies, due to corruptions of the cops, Marv just said no more. He ends up shooting a man in the chest to get revenge, tall and revenge, sorry, tall and revenge on his buddy, his cop buddy. But then that's it. You don't see a conclusion to Marv. And same with uh, the photographer. Also, like his photographer, the wife getting pregnant, like that whole thing with them, that was definitely not necessary at all in this movie. But yeah, if you take no, it, no, no, but you have to understand why why Biff is such an asshole in the next one, the sequel. That's okay. Sorry, yes, that's true. So yeah, if you go into the movie with the mentality that this is the perfect prequel for Home Alone, everything lines up. But if you go into the movie not knowing about Home Alone and you just watch it as a horror movie with a bunch of monsters, you're going to be disappointed. The one scene, okay, actually, there's two scenes that I laughed at. So the coin one, where Marv is about <laughs> to make a call, <laughs> and uh, the security guard comes down and eats his coin, and they don't say anything. That was fantastic. That was bizarre. Yeah, oh, that, it was just out of place, but it like that kind of makes it. Also, when the chuds underground are praying to the radiation... <laughs> <laughs> that was also in my head when you guys were describing it i imagine hundreds of chuds i imagine this like <laughs> candles lit this like beautiful moment where all these chuds are like praising and they're all humming at the same time but it's like five of them and then just one has his hands up and he looks over at marv and goes eh. <laughs> that's it <laughs> like, <laughs> it's also the first time you see like, a full chud in view going full chud the thing is, yes, I, I voted against this. I wasn't going to watch it. So I apologize to Dylan. I watched it, but I'm upset that I watched it. So, like, <laughs> this is all on me. <laughs> well, I'm glad you learned my lesson for me. Thanks. <laughs> Adam, do you want to do um, one more take on your closing thoughts? Because your closing thoughts are me yelling at you for... <laughs> Like no. two minutes and then you're like no. yeah i'm this not is, watching it this is how the podcast goes tom <laughs> i ask you a question you lose it on me <laughs> you insult <laughs> the jury at multiple moments <laughs> i don't know what you mean i don't know what you mean and with that the court is adjourned come back next time for a new trial with new litigants in the never-ending parade of schlock that is grindhouse courthouse motherfuckers